See, I need a Tracy brain so I can put words like that together. <laughs> I don't know if you want to be in my brain all the time because yesterday was just corgi, corgi, corgi. I saw five corgis. Is that so many corgis in DC? There's there's a lot more than five. Trust me on this side. I feel like I never see them around here, but all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. There's many. They find me. They whisper things to me. Let me know if you need help. Yeah, I will. Martinez holds a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and a black belt in hiding behind counters and jump-scaring people as they come into Beta Academy. To give you an idea of what others think of him, consider the list of episode titles that were suggested by our team. 1. Weirdos Like Me 2. When Doves Cry, the podcast 3. Lessons, Not Losses 4. Sunshine, the podcast 5. Always Bring a Gi 6. Progress is Purpose seven to the death and eight don't die hiro is like the beta big brother that we didn't know we wanted in jujitsu but are happy that we got he is goofy always smiling and always striving to be the best that he can be while making sure that everyone feels happy to train and even though he's living the jujitsu lifestyle it doesn't mean that that life is easy he works many hours a week to make sure that we have the best academy in the world when it comes to training, all the while balancing his duties as a full-time athlete. According to my friend Evelyn, Hiro is a type three under the Enneagram. I would say that this assessment is 100% accurate. They are adaptable, excelling, and driven. They are self-assured and charming and highly driven for advancement. They are the quote, stars of human nature. And people often look up to them because of their graciousness and personal accomplishments. Healthy threes know how good it feels to develop themselves and contribute their abilities to the world, and also enjoy motivating others to greater personal achievements than others thought they were capable of. They are usually well-regarded and popular among their peers, the type of person who is frequently voted class president or homecoming queen because people feel they want to be associated with this kind of person who acts as a stand-in for them. In this podcast, you're going to learn a lot about what it means to train well and to live life as a modern warrior. Okay, here's the show. Because I don't want to sound stupid. We're not going to sound stupid. Everybody sounds a little bit stupid. <laughs> yeah, right? I actually was super impressed, like, when I asked you, like, what you wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think you filled out every single checkbox. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because it's whatever you want. No, it's whatever you want. It's whatever you want. And on top of that, all the stuff that I checked off was, like, stuff like I can't talk about. So mm -hmm. I don't want to check something off and, like, talk about something I don't know. I was like, I know everything that she's going to talk about. So check, 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 check. I went down the list. Very important question. Gi or no gi? For me? Yeah. It should be both. 
Okay, explain. It should be both for the simple fact that like jiu-jitsu should be all together. People who only do gi, it's good that they do jiu-jitsu, but people who only do gi, they're at a disadvantage. And then people who only do no gi, they're even at a bigger disadvantage. So I think you should do both. And it shouldn't be seasonal. It should be literally every week, every week. You should be doing gi and no gi. They go hand in hand. How? So like a lot of the questions, especially because like I'm a teacher, a lot of things that I always get asked is, uh, what do I do with my hands, especially no gi? Do the exact same thing you were doing in the gi, just don't grip. Hand placement is the exact same thing. Whether you grip the collar, that's fine. You can still go collar tie. They work hand in hand. They should give you an idea as to how they, they should work with one with well, <clears throat> one game with, with the other game. You see what I'm saying? So like sleeve grips, wrist control, pant grips, grabbing the ankle, stuff like that. The only thing you can't do is lapel chokes. Who needs them anyways? Yeah, right? Who cares? <laughs> you can do foot locks stuff. You can do foot locks. Straight ankles. Leg locks. Leg locks. You can go into the forbidden dark arts is what I call it. <laughs> With the heel hook, knee bars, and stuff like that. Isn't all of jujitsu like forbidden dark arts? If you really think about it, yeah, <laughs> all of it is dark arts. <laughs> Especially as someone who doesn't train the dark arts, I'm all about it. When are you the happiest when you're training? Because I know you're happiest when you train. Yeah. But when are you the happiest during that period of time? It's different from when I first started to what it is now. Now I'll be happy if I survive. Like if I'm fighting a black belt and I survive and don't get tapped or let's say I get put in a really bad situation where they put me in a situation where they basically where I'm very defensive and I don't tap. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to be egotistical and just like let them break whatever it is. But if I can fight it, why not? Little wins like that gets me happy, like little wins. Or let's say I'm working um, something specific like a pass. If I hit the pass, that's when I'm happy. Just little things, little things, especially like people who are like really experienced or who are like black belts, uh, brown belts. Not that I'm saying that I'm, that's all I'm gunning for, but it's it's a good goal, especially like for martial artists, people who practice jujitsu. You always want to challenge yourself and you always want to give yourself little goals. And for me, that's that's how I make my ha myself happy. Because I'm happy regardless if I have a bad training session or if I'm having a really good training session. But if I can meet my little goals within that time period, then that's when I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting is you're willing to test yourself against people who are better than you. That's not something that people see mm -mm. very often. I always tell people, especially like you, you never want to be the best person in the room because then there's no way you can get better. You always want to fight the people who are the best person in the room or the best people in the room. So, Is it hard though, losing all the time? Yeah, but if it was easy, everybody would do it. You know what I'm saying? So, And I, I stick to that phrase probably to the day I die. If it was easy, everybody would do it. How did you start? With jujitsu? Oh, that's a good, that's a really good question. All right, so I started off when I was probably like middle school. I don't know what that age is, seventh grade. But that's kind of when I started wrestling. Wrestling is what really got me into just competing and just overall um, grappling, just overall grappling. Did that all the way through high school. And then after high school, I went to college, but I wrestled through a couple clubs, but they weren't the same because you're not competing. You're not like doing anything at, at a college level. So I needed something to do pretty much after that. Maybe like a year after high school, it was probably like 19 or something like that. Yeah, I want to say to 19. That's kind of when I found uh, Beta Academy. It's kind of where I, I started off. But funny thing was when I first got here, I didn't actually start doing jujitsu until maybe like four years in. So I didn't really start jujitsu until probably like when I was 23, 24. I stuck with it ever since. Been, I want to say consistent with it at least four years now, but I've been doing it probably since 
eight years now. Yeah, did you coach a little bit in wrestling too? In wrestling, yeah. I coached a little bit. Again, I had nothing to do after high school. I went to college, but it wasn't it wasn't the same. So I figured I might as well make myself useful and be an assistant coach for my old high school, Northwestern High School, which was in PG County over there by PG Plaza. And my good friend at the time was the head coach. So he was my good friend and I wanted to help him out and also help out the kids. So I, I coached wrestling for about a year and a half or two years, I want to say. And then that kind of opened up new doorways as I got older. What was that like being on the other side? Of coaching? Yeah. It was kind of weird because I'm a competitor. Like I like to compete. I like to put myself out there. I like to see what I got. So it was weird for the simple fact that it was like, you see the people that you coach and you can't like do it for them, you know? So that was like one of the things that I had to like deal with. But like with more time and more practice it, it becomes easier and it also be, teaches you a lot about like patience just overall like being there for the person that you're there for like especially when you're coaching did you have anybody like that you really thought had a good work ethic like that you saw a little bit of yourself in growing up or yeah. now or? or just wrestling yeah in wrestling None, but I, there was a lot of kids that were like really, because I, only, I only say that because most of the kids that I, I, I coached, they were football players. So they they were just doing wrestling to kind of do something off season for football. And, but <laughs> yeah. I, will say, I will say though, those, those kids, because they did football, they did other sports, automatically had a good work ethic. There was not much that I could tell them to like do, because they would do it without me telling them. The difficult part, was getting people fundamentally sound. So like making sure people know how to shoot, making sure people are conditioned to fight for six minutes or wrestle for six minutes. As far as like finding someone who emulated me, not so much. And I don't really expect to find anybody who's like me. I, I expect people to be better than me, yeah. but not so much to be exactly like me. I like to think that I'm unique too, just like everyone else's, so. <laughs> <laughs> and when you came to Beta, did you know that you wanted to teach and stuff? No, I did not know. Oh, okay. I came to Beta, again, with the intention of just being a competitor, being a student, and just... I, I did know I wanted to be here. I just didn't know in what way. And uh, yeah, I'm here now. Wait, so say that again. You did know that you wanted to be here, but you didn't know in what way. Like... I knew I wanted to be here in terms of like, like this is all I'd rather be doing. It's just training and this pretty much it, just training and helping out the people of the school. At the time in my mind, it was cleaning the school, being useful to the people around me, especially like to Master Nakapon and Lewis, being useful to them type thing. It, but it was never with the intentions of like me being a teacher, ever, mm. ever. I, to this day, I still don't even believe that I'm, I'm I'm where I am. But I'm thankful and I'm grateful. And life tends to open up doorways without really your permission. <laughs> you kind of just open them up. So. Stop, we're letting you go cold there. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> A little Actually, bit. when I come in through the front, sometimes they're like, can you close the door? <laughs> All the time. That door literally makes me crazy. <laughs> it's cursed. It's 100% cursed. 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 And you know what's cursed. funny? It's been like that since I was a student. Okay. <laughs> it's always something with that door. So, always. Oh, do some exorcism. No, just Maybe. That's funny. Get some sage. Bless it. I know. I think it's interesting because, like, for me, I'm a huge planner. Like, I always have, like, mm -hmm. you see me. Uh, you see me plan the uh, shit out of everything. I like that, though. 
But I think, I always think it's interesting because it's like on some level you're on a different, it's on the same spectrum, but it's like kind of on the other end of like, you're okay when somebody opens the door and you're like, oh, even though this wasn't the door mm -hmm. that I plan to walk in at this specific time and place, mm -hmm. you choose to walk in through it. So how does that work? I treat it as like a happy little detour. You know, not like we plan and we like try to get to point A to point B. Sometimes we tend to, you know, forget that there's other paths from point A to point B. Sometimes you may need to take C, maybe D. You never know. So it's kind of like if it opens up, it opens up and it's your choice to either go down it or not. And I usually go with my gut. Sometimes it's like a good time. Sometimes it's a bad thing. That depends. It depends on the situation. But Whenever doors open themselves up like that, especially unexpectedly, just see it as a happy little detour. As long as you're still going to your destination, take a little detour. Why not? What's the rush? What's the detours you've had? In terms of teaching? Well, jujitsu, life. For me, jujitsu wise, again, being a teacher, also like being business, business savvy a little bit. I'm still learning. I'm not saying I'm the best or like I, I, I want to be the best businessman in the world, but this is a little door that I've kind of like, I guess metaphorically speaking, is just to really make money off of this. Like doing private lessons and just overall, man, just yeah, just making a living out of I, I, I don't want to go back to 95. I don't want to do any of that. I want to do this. So I guess in a way is teaching me to I don't want to say money hungry because it's not what I am about. It sounds more like you want to show people that you have value. I guess so. Yeah, in a weird way. How would you phrase it differently? I wouldn't. I guess yeah, I would be exactly how I would say it. You no, know, I just want people to see my value. Eventually, I want to have all this for myself. And it's a, it's a process. Like I said, little detours right now. Yeah. So I know what my angle is. I'm just trying to figure out like how to get there. this segment for the concept of having a positive mindset. If you notice Hiro talking about his training, there's three very clear themes that you see. First, intention. Second, little wins. And third, process. So a lot of people, when they first start going to class, they're really more passive participants. So they expect the instructor to give them the information that they need to progress in jujitsu. And when it comes to doing roles, they sort of just allow whoever comes across their radar to be partners. That is not the way I do my training and that is not the way Hiro does his training. We come in with a specific intention and purpose for what we want to accomplish that day. Now, that doesn't mean that if we don't get that goal achieved, that we're complete losers. It simply means that we need to try better the next time. So we go in and we set an intention. Um, you notice he talks about focusing on the little wins. If he gets a pass for, for on something that he's working on, or if he manages to not get tapped out by a black belt, those are some of the little wins that he focuses on. And I've had this experience before where I ask somebody how they're doing and they look really depressed. And it sort of reminds me of myself two years ago, where I would think that whether or not I had a good training session was defined by the number of times that I had gotten tapped out. Well, guess what? You're always gonna get tapped out. So you might as well focus on having a little bit of a better mindset with regards to not discouraging yourself every time you set up 
you go onto the mats. So what I like to do is I'm thinking, okay, today I want to work on passing. What usually happens when I try to pass? Well, I usually fall on my face. Okay, so I'm going to work on trying not to get swept. And then I'll think, okay, for passes, what pass am I working on for today? Okay, I want to do the knee cut. What is something that makes my knee cut fairly successful or unsuccessful? Well, it's getting the correct grips. I seem to always forget to get the correct grip in the engagement phase of the pass. So by thinking about things that way, you're really breaking down your training into little chunks. You're essentially deciding where you want to put your attention. Setting an intention for attention is going to help you stay more focused and it's also going to help you identify where you made progress and where you didn't make progress. The last thing is the idea of being focused on the process. I have a post-it note on my desk that says, delight in the process itself. And it's a reminder to me to not always be focusing on the outcomes, but instead on my actions and being in the present moment of doing something and being focused on that action itself. This is really strongly connected to the idea of Kaizen. So Kaizen is about achieving improvements by taking a small series of steps instead of drastic, rigorous changes. Although the improvements are small and incremental, the process brings about dramatic results over time. Additionally, Kaizen is low risk and an inexpensive approach. It involves process improvements that do not require a large capital investment. So that's in the context of manufacturing. But if you think about it, your capital as a athlete is essentially your time and energy. So you need to think about what am I trying to solve for? Or is there some sort of opportunity that I can pursue? And how can I take little small steps to get to that point? So first you gotta really think about what you're currently doing. Analyze, okay, am I just going to class and then I can't retain the information because for whatever reason, I'm trying to remember too many steps or I'm not journaling after class or maybe I need to just think about jujitsu concepts for five minutes before class to warm up my brain. Then you wanna develop a sort of optimal solution to try to solve that problem. And by optimal, for me, it usually means it's not a brute strength, brute force, just go as hard as you can for every single day approach. It's usually trying to think about the highest leverage things that I can do in order to get closer to my goal. So if that means, for example, not going to um, drilling class one day and then being and then working with a partner on the weekend, for example, to figure out the problems with my knee cut pass then I will do that and pursue that as a highest leverage opportunity. Um, four is to implement the so solution. Now implementation, where most people get stuck, is that they implement it for one or two days and it doesn't work and then they give up on it entirely. That is not how it works, people. You gotta keep trying at it. Not necessarily trying the same thing over and over again, but getting to the point where you're like, okay, I'm gonna try this on a smaller person, on a bigger person, on a more experienced person, on a less experienced person. The point is to gather data and to study the results of what you're getting and then to adjust. Iteration is the most important concept that I've learned in the last two years because I am a huge perfectionist. And when things don't go my way, I get really, really upset. 
So I want to focus more on iterating, focusing more on the process and on taking little incremental changes towards my ultimate goal. And the last thing would be to standardize the solution. So you don't want to reinvent the wheel every single time. You don't want to be like, oh, it's time for me to train for another competition. I'm going to just guess at it again. If competition, for example, is your goal, there should be some sort of templatized process that works for you. When are you going to start rolling harder? When are you going to start kicking up your strength and conditioning routine? Or maybe you have to deload actually so you have enough energy for jujitsu. Who are the partners that are in your roster of people that you like to drill with? How are you going to structure one hour long drilling session or a one hour long rolling session? Those are the things that are important to think about beforehand so you don't get decision fatigue and you don't have to use unnecessary mental energy on that part. You can just focus on training. So none of this is going to happen overnight. Obviously, Hiro is like a very experienced person and he knows what works for him. But if you just start with this process of identifying the problem, analyzing the process, developing an optimal solution, implementing it, and then most importantly, evaluating and studying the results so you can create a standard solution for yourself, that sort of logical approach is really effective, especially in a sport as complicated as jujitsu. It's going to help you feel more grounded and centered as you go into class and onto the mats. show you a picture you cannot get mad at me i won't okay <laughs> you cannot get mad i will i don't get mad you might get mad i don't get mad you might get mad all right let's see oh god let's play this game i want to see you cannot know <laughs> i'm gonna stay far away i might keep you don't kick me i'll just play <laughs> i'll stay far away let me see how'd you find that <laughs> blackmail material how'd you find that blackmail material yo i do my research <laughs> okay it's on your linkedin i look like uh abraham right there you do kind of look like abraham people think your name is abraham <laughs> that's what you're gonna call me from now on i am gonna call you abraham so tell me about that picture uh, so that picture was taken i did this program probably like when i was 25 or something like that it's called Europe, and it's a program basically to teach uh, minorities to like be professional in a professional setting, but, like especially like with IT, business, just pretty much giving you the tools to work in corporate America type things. And I'm very thankful for that experience. I, I learned a lot. Would I go back and do it again? Maybe. Um, I don't want to say yes, and I don't want to say no, just because of every, like I said, the people that I was working with, or I was blessed to be able to be uh, surrounded by them. But there's a lot of stuff that I don't really like in terms of like corporate America. The whole nine to five, you you work for us and uh, you figure it out on your own type of deal. I, I didn't like that. But uh, yeah, that picture was taken as my professional headshot. So like if I were to LinkedIn, obviously it's a professional website to kind of like put your resume out there and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that was the picture that they took of me. And it was crazy because this was when I was stuck. This was like during that period where I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I did this, the, the corporate America thing first, just to see if it's something I wanted to do, something if I was interested in. But the reason why I'm really thankful for it is because it, I figured out I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And because I went through that, I'm here. I'm, I'm able to teach. I figured out what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, yeah, that was a weird time. And I'm surprised you found that. 
kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is my show, as you said. This is your show. One hundred percent your show. I will delete the picture from my iPad. Oh no, it's okay. It's on the okay. internet, so it's all right. Okay. I mean, when you look at that picture now, like, to what extent is it different? To what extent is it the same? It's the same in terms of like, I, I like to say I'm rebellious a little bit. So I was during that time, I was rebellious in terms of like, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be part of corporate America. But one thing about me is that if I start something, I'm going to see it all the way through. Like, even if it's something I don't want to do, I have to finish it just for the simple fact that I can say I finished it. And during that time, they were talking about being professional and making yourself. Basically, to me, the how I received it was how to be fake, you know? And there's nothing to anybody who works in corporate America. If that's your thing, then that's your thing. But it's different for everybody. And for me, I can personally say that it's not for me. It was not for me. I didn't like how they were trying to get people to change literally, physically, and also like just the whole being fake. I don't know how to be fake. So, and again, if you work in corporate America and you're listening to this, I apologize. It's not what I'm trying to do. It's just, this is my personal experience from that. We can respect that. Yeah. And I appreciate that. But it was just more so like, you got to keep yourself groomed. You got to make sure that you're nice. So the beard was basically like a big <laughs> fuck you to everybody. But... It was my thing. I, I, I don't like being told what to do. I, I, I just, I have a problem with that. Not that I'm saying I have a problem with authority, but I just don't like being told, you gotta do this way or you gotta do it that way. Because then at that point I become a robot. I don't wanna be a robot. I like being human. So yeah. And I wore pink because I, I felt like a, a pink button up shirt is a, is a snazzy way of standing out a little bit. And then I didn't like wear a tie and I, did, and I wore uh, suspenders because, how many people you know wore suspenders? <laughs> One, and their name is Abraham. Well, there you go. <laughs> Call me Abraham Jr. Abraham Jr. <laughs> I wish you'd have seen the rest of the outfit because I really was looking nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You had like, like striped pinstripe suits or? I didn't have pinstripe okay. pants, but I did You're wearing geek pants. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. You're wearing geek pants. I wearing geek pants and uh, sandals and socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about jujitsu. <laughs> I was like, my fellow I was like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Am I gonna start the interview with it? Probably not. Shit, I've never been funny. Oh my god. I was gonna start the interview with the gift, but then I was like, nah, just give it to him. I like that gift. I framed it. I hope you saw it. I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll take a picture of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like one thing I thought that you said was really interesting was like, you don't like people telling you what to do. So how do you balance that? Like first as a student where people are kind of telling you what to do. And then as a coach where you need to tell people what to do. Ooh, that's a good one. All right. So as a student, it's different because when I was a student, I was very open, especially, especially like when it comes to martial arts, like I was very open to criticism. I could do this better. I can do that better. But as I got older, again, the criticism was good and I appreciate the criticism, but I don't like being told you got to do it this way or you got to do it that way. Because like I said, what may work for you may not work for me and vice versa. What I can appreciate more is uh, my coaches that I have now. Again, they don't tell me what to do. They just give me more of like an open suggestion like, hey, 
this is great. Let's make it better. And that's kind of how I, 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 I'm, I like to operate. Even if I'm doing something wrong, uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but even if I'm doing something wrong, I don't want you telling me it's wrong. I want you to tell me like, hey, this is cool, but if we did it this way, it'd be a little better. That's kind of how I, I receive things a little bit. As far as the coach, it's a little weird because it, to me, when I tell somebody something, I, in the back of my head, it makes me feel like I know everything. And I don't want to get to that point because I don't know everything. Yeah, I'm an instructor and I've only been instructing for two years now, but I'm, I still think that I don't know anything. I want to always get better. And the only way you can get better is literally receiving criticism. And that's kind of how I try to give advice to students is instead of me telling them, I give them open suggestions. I'm like, hey, that was cool. That was good and all. But let's make this better. Instead of like, I get an instance, I'm not going to give any names, but I had a student who was, who was a small, she's a small person. And she asked me like, can this move work on bigger people? And then this was a drop sale Nagi. And the way she was doing it, it wasn't wrong. But like I said, you could always do it better. So I gave her like little suggestions on how to do this. And then long and behold, two days later, she did this on a guy who was like maybe three times her size. And, you know, and then like I said, that, that open advice, I think, helped her out. The way I give advice is the exact same way I would like to have received advice when I was a student. So that's kind of how I do that now. I hope I answered that question. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> great answer. Right. How did you feel when you heard about the success? Um, of my students? Yeah. I always get happy. Always happy because when my students are happy, then I'm happy. Because that means I'm doing something right as a coach. But I don't, I don't try to stay on that feeling for too long. I like to give myself like maybe like two minutes of like hurrah time. And then after that is amnesia. You forget about it. Just forget about it. And then you move on and then you just continue doing the rinse repeat over and over again. Mm -hmm. Day like after laundry. day. Yep, just like laundry. You can give yourself to celebrate. It's okay to celebrate, but you don't want to be boastful. Two minutes is what I give myself. Two minutes of just being happy about it and then I forget about it and then I move on to the next thing. It's funny because you say like two minutes for feeling good, but you said 30 minutes for like... Competition. That's different. That's so different. Yeah. Okay, so explain yourself. <laughs> explain yourself 30 minutes. So for competitions, because uh, I know a lot of people don't like competing and I know a lot of people don't know how to handle how to compete. So I like to kind of be an example of that for the simple fact that when I was younger, I was all about it. I was really all about just competing and just being about myself. But now that I'm older, I have a team to worry about. I kind of made myself a new rule as a coach. And as for, and this is when I'm competing. This is not so much for when I'm teaching or when I'm you know, coaching, but for myself, I give myself, no matter if I win or lose, I cut it down to 20 minutes now. So, oh, so it's 20 minutes. Belt, <laughs> so Your white belt, 45 minutes, your blue belt, 30. No, 45 is too much. Okay. 45 is too much. 30 is the max. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but 20 minutes is what I give myself, regardless if I win or lose, to just kind of reflect on my win or my loss. If it's a loss, even better, because that's 20 minutes turned into 10 minutes and you get over it quick. But 20 minutes is a, I give myself if I win, because I want to, again, be grateful, I want to give myself some time to give thanks to those people. Whether they're, I'm not like speaking verbally, but I pray a lot. So in my head, I pray. So I give those 20 minutes of just like being thankful and grateful to being able to win first and foremost and just being able to do what I do. And if it's a loss, even better, because again, I don't see it as losses. I see them as lessons. 
So this is something that I could work on if it's a loss or I could have done this better to work on. But I, I never want to dwell on that feeling, regardless if it's a win or a lose, or if it's a positive or a negative energy. I don't want to dwell on it too much because as a martial artist, you have to forget, you have to move on. You have to get to the next challenge. So 20 minutes. If you're hearing this, 20 minutes is all you got. <laughs> I have just one note here and it says Hiro knows that I like to cry a lot. So I have this hilarious story. I was watching a kid's competition class that they were having and I guess one of the kids was getting upset and the coach was talking to them and um, Hiro was sitting next to me and I said, oh yeah, you know, she kind of reminds me of me because, you know, I cry a lot too. And without missing a beat, he looks at me, he goes, yup, that's right. So, I guess I do like to cry a lot. I'm very dramatic. Um, I don't really know where I was going with that. I guess the point being is like, there's always this growth process that is involved when I'm training in jujitsu. And I really appreciate what he says about how he doesn't want to get to the point of knowing everything. Because if you know everything, then there's nowhere to go in terms of always getting better. And this idea of focusing on progress, not perfection, I really, really like it a lot. In fact, I think I talk about it later on as well. But um, the idea being is that when you receive things with an open mind, you're able to just take in so much more. You're not so closed in or rigid or fixated on a specific point of view or a specific technique in a way of doing things. You're more able to adapt to changing circumstances. And I like to think that since being at Beta Academy, it's actually kind of ironic because the beta, the beta phrase, or the beta word, if you think about it, it's um, beta as in always testing, always in progress. And then the beta fish, which is like a fighting fish and it's in water and it's like, you learn how to be like water and all that cool stuff. So, I feel like I have a lot to thank Hyro for, for teaching me how to be okay with the fact that I am not the smartest person in the room. And in fact, it's not good to be the smartest person in the room. And also like looking to other people to help me get better. There's this saying that somebody once told me where they said like perfection is about if you're a perfectionist, that's about being afraid of the fact that other people are going to see your weaknesses. But if you're just striving, if you're a striver of excellence, then you are okay with the fact that you have weaknesses and that you are open to others helping you. So I guess the point is, is that openness and expansiveness is a good way to go with regards to training because it helps you see and experience so much more.
when you're talking about how most people don't like to compete, mm-hmm. why do you like to compete? So that's another good question. I like to compete because it's the ultimate test for martial artists to give themselves. And I say martial artists because I, I don't just do jujitsu. I do Muay Thai too, and I like to fight. Where was I going with that? <laughs> I mean, why do you like to compete? Oh, that's right, that's right. So uh, again, as martial artist, I like to really give myself... Sorry, it just got deep there, but yeah. No, 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 yeah. it's okay. I kind of lost myself a little bit No, there. no, it's okay. But I like to, again, to, competing is a good way, especially even if you don't like competing, competing is a really good way to really just test yourself. Test yourself, your, your skill, and then just overall spirit as far as like your warrior spirit. Everyone who trains has a warrior spirit, regardless if you don't compete, regardless if you do this recreationally, if you do this as a hobby, everyone who stepped on a mat has some type of warrior spirit. And I'm not saying everybody should compete. What I am saying is maybe you should try it at least once to see where you at. And you never know, some people, it might ignite something. It might give you a, a different fire to burn, like a different way to, to really just get out of your comfort zone and do it. And even if you don't like competing, if you tried it once, you can say, at least I tried it once. That way you can kind of see where you're at with your skill. For those people who have at least trained at least a year, you should be competing <laughs> at least once or twice a year. If you've been training for at least a year and not just at least a year, but like at least a year of consistent training, you should be competing. It doesn't mean major tournaments. It just means little tournaments, big tournaments, in-house tournaments, especially in-house tournaments. But it's a good way. It's a good way to f- figure out where you at. What does your warrior spirit look like? Mine? Yeah. Is there an animal? If I could, if I could draw it out, or if I could like, if I can kind of like put it on paper, I guess, it'd be a silverback gorilla in a samurai outfit with two swords in each hand, one in each hand. That's all I got. Why the gorilla? Uh, Since I was a kid, it was like one of the few animals that really resonated with me. Them turtles, I have like a weird spectrum of animals that kind of really resonate with me, but silverback gorillas in particular are like one of the few animals that I can honestly say I can see myself being reincarnated into that. What is it about that as opposed to my spirit animal, which is a corgi? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because I think silverback gorillas are misunderstood. If you really think about it, they're like really strong, really big. People think of them as ferocious, but they're actually herbivores. They don't eat meat, they eat fruit and plants, and they can probably lift a mini truck or a mini cooper, like no problem. And that's kind of what I like. It's like a gentle giant almost, or a gentle beast. They only strike when they're provoked, but otherwise they're chill, hanging out under a tree or something. That's kind of how I am. I'm super chill, super relaxed. I don't like getting provoked. It takes me a while to get provoked, but once I do get provoked, I can, I don't want to sound tough, but I, I can get nasty. That's why I like silverback gorillas. And what about the samurai outfit? Samurai, because I think all of us, everybody who trains or who's ever stepped in Beta Academy, we're all in a weird way samurais. Like we, there's honor and there's, there's, there's a lot of respect when it comes to that title. And I think for the most part, we all have that. We all fight for honor. We all have respect for one another. And I, and I like to believe in my head that I would, I would die for, the, for all of you guys. And I think most people who train here would do. I like to think that way. I could be just in some fantasy or in some kung fu movie. That's kind of how I like to see it. There's honor, there's, there's, there's good strength, intelligence, and just overall like courage with the word samurai. So I, I think that's all of us. We all have spirits and some of us are samurais. And in my mind, I think I was a samurai. <laughs> honor, strength, and intelligence, and courage. And what other values do you hold? Bushido codes, are those? Well, the poster behind my head, yes. Yes, the, yeah, they're right there, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, those stuff right Back there. Back into the left. Yeah, I didn't even know that was there. All right, like <laughs> honor, compassion. 
I, I like to think that the stuff is texts that were from back then, but they were like handed down all the way to this generation. I think that's that stuff still sticks true to this day. You know, especially the Bushido quotes. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. I guess like, why <laughs> is it meaningful to you versus somebody who might say stuff like, "Oh, I don't think I'm strong, or I don't have a warrior spirit because I've never seen it before." Like, what's your response to that? Well, my response would be like, "Well, how do you, have you tried?" If they say no to not trying, then I'd be like, "Well, obviously, because you haven't tried." But I, for the most part, for the people that I come across, people who do say that, and I give them like little words of encouragement, they realize that like, "Oh shit, maybe I am fierce. Maybe I am strong." There should be no room for self doubt. There's already a lot of evil in the world. If you doubt yourself, then you're just adding on to like more worries of, of, of the stuff you don't need to be worried about. If you can be true to yourself and you know yourself truly, then then you'll know. It's one of those things where I, it's hard for me to kind of like explain that, but it makes sense when it happens. There's a story that I love telling, and um, it's the story of my first in-house competition at Blue Belt. Basically, what happened was I had just been promoted two weeks ago, so I was basically still mostly a white belt, and I was so stressed out about doing well that I was extremely uptight and extremely anxious, and I actually ended up doing really, really badly. So. Well, not really, really badly, but like not up to my standards. So I remember thinking, like, you know, what am I? How am I gonna stay here for the rest of the tournament and watch my other teammates? Because inside, I feel really upset. And then I remembered something. I remembered how Hiro is basically somebody who is always smiling. Like, even though on the inside he might be. Not feeling great, he always tries to project this aura of positivity, and I just thought to myself, "Hey, why don't I keep on smiling? I know I lost. I know that I'm disappointed. I know there are a lot of things I need to work on, but that doesn't mean I can't stay and smile and cheer on my teammates. And that's what I did. And by the end of the day, I just felt so much better." And I realized that it wasn't even about me. It wasn't about how I did in that match, but it was about this family that we had together, and the way that this experience helped me become a stronger person. So he likes to say that everyone who trains has a warrior spirit, and in that competition, I recognized that my warrior spirit is not dependent on how many medals I. Win or what kind of submissions I know how to do. It's something that is very much internal within me, and it's something that I can cultivate and hone and nourish without needing to find external validation for it.、Um, that's something that like was a game changer for me in terms of. I think I would hope to think me maturing in the sport, but also. Being able to find the sense of serenity that comes with, you know, the very violent nature of jujitsu—like you're trying to break people's arms and legs, and you're also trying to choke them—and if you don't stop, you know, they could die or be very seriously injured. And so, 
having that source of peace inside of me, that well of knowledge of knowing that I am a warrior, that I can do anything I put my mind to, that's so powerful. And in fact, it enhances both my ability to fight, but also my ability to find peace within myself and hopefully help others find peace as well. Hey there, my awesome listeners. I have an exciting announcement for you. The Mental Arts Podcast is now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you're an Apple listener, please take the time to submit a question for future guests on our show by going to The Mental Arts on Apple Podcasts and submitting a review. We'll be sure to feature your question on a later episode. For more content about optimizing your mindset for better grappling performance, check out resources available on thementalarts.com. Once again, that's T-H-E-M-E-N-T-A-L-A-R-T-S dot com. Thanks for your support. I always like to think of the school as this weird family oh, yeah. gathering community of 100%. like-minded people and we're all like aliens, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you kind of, when you walk in through the doors, like, what do you see? What's like your experience? Soon when I just walk in through the door, and it's gonna sound corny and cliche, but I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm I'm at home. I feel like the people who are coming in are, even if it's just like those once a week type of people that come in, I feel like I'm hanging out with a bunch of family members. Like, I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm with my brothers and my sisters. That's really the feeling that I get. And that's kind of why I enjoy being here. It's, it's always been like that. I will say though, <clears throat> there's never a dull day here at the Beta Academy because <laughs> there's always something going on. Yeah. We don't really have a lot of bad moments, which is kind of good. But yeah, that, that feeling's always been there and it's probably going to stay there probably until I move on to other endeavors in the future. I don't know, it's, it's the same. Like I said, it feels like I'm just hanging out with a bunch of weirdos like myself. In terms of somebody who feels like they might not fit in mm-hmm. as well at the beginning, kind of what advice do you have for them? And also, like, what would you do to well, help them? Well, my, my, my advice would be, why'd you come to the school in the first place? And it's usually like, because I want to learn, I want to I train, I want to get better. Stick to that reason. Whatever that reason was for you to come into that door, you should use that. It doesn't matter if you fit in. It doesn't matter if it's, you feel like you're alone. Eventually, it's all in your head sometimes. But if you stay consistent with your training, whether it be your foundation, masters, two times a week, four times a week, if you stay consistent with your training and not think so much in terms of like what's going on on the outside or what's this group over here doing, that stuff will come. But you have to remember, and this is kind of what I tell even my older students, the reason why you came in through the doors is because you wanted to train. Training is probably the most important thing or the, the main thing that you came in through the door. And because that was your main thing, you should keep it as your goal. Like, keep it as your goal. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm just like, if you feel that way, I'm sorry you feel that way, but you came in because you wanted to train. And because you want to train, just continue training and then not give so much noise to the, the clout or whatever is going on with this and this person. Just worry about your training. Everything will come soon and then you'll make friends and before you'll probably be a coach uh, or something. But as long as you stick with what you came in with, you want to learn, cool, come learn. And that's kind of the theme that I want everybody to kind of understand. Like, worry about the training. 
We're not about anything else. We're yeah. just, we just want to train, we want to get better. Makes sense. There's sort of like a unique focus that you have. Like, like you chose like, okay, training is like what I'm focused on. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's sacrifices behind that? Oh yeah, so many sacrifices, so many. But yes, there, there's tons, yeah. You want to give an example? Of like sacrifices, as far as coaching goes? Anything in relationship to Well, for starters, relationships with your friends. Sorry, not so much your family, but your friends. Like when you start training consistently and you take it really serious, the one thing you'll notice is that you're very tired. You're so tired, you don't feel like going out, you don't feel like doing any of that nature, but your friends don't understand that because they don't train. So for me, that was probably the biggest sacrifice because I used to have a lot of friends, a lot of friends. Like, I, I won't say I'm, I was popular, but I was, I was well, I was well known. People knew me, I knew them. And yeah, when you're young, you're dumb. So like you go out drinking, you go out past way your bad time. Like you go to sleep at four, wake up at six and be okay. You know, but the more you train and the older you get, that stuff is all a fantasy. And like I said, I started really taking training serious when I was like 24, 25. And that's kind of when like my friends like started falling. I'm not saying I'm enemies with any of these people. It's just that my priorities will look different. Like training is something that's important to me. Very important to me. Like if even right now with the whole virus and not being able to train for like a week is driving me crazy. It's legit driving me crazy. But if I don't train, like then I have no purpose. And to me, that's kind of like the, the, the biggest sacrifice that I that I've had to face. Not because of the socializing or that nature, it's just that a lot of people don't understand why you want to train so much. Or people don't understand like, why are you doing this to yourself? It's not so much what I'm doing to myself, it's more so like, it's what makes me happy, you know? And what makes me happy is training, but like I said, friends fall off because you don't go out anymore. Friends uh, literally make up any excuse saying that you changed or you're not the same anymore. I'm like, no, nothing has changed. It's, I just, I, I can't go past 11 anymore. I'm like, I'd rather be at home soaking up a knee injury so I can train for the next day than going out and being at a bar at three in the morning. So that's probably one of the biggest, biggest sacrifices. It's just being able to switch that up. You also mentioned sacrifices in the coaching context. Yeah, so yeah, even as a coach. And again, I hope I, I don't you know ruffle any feathers, but as a coach, you kind of also have to kind of play that part too. Like students always go out, people invite you to places, but as a coach, you kind of have to kind of be a professional a little bit. And it's not, I'm not saying I won't go out or I won't hang out with them, but I had to kind of be smart about it. So that way I'm not. It's your life. That's what I'm saying. It's my livelihood. And this is, I would rather sacrifice my pinky than to give this up. I will fight with one pinky. It's fine. But this means a lot to me. So again, I have to kind of set boundaries with my students too. That's another sacrifice. But like I said, I'm very grateful and it's very uh, it's like yeah. a juggling act almost. But. I, for the most part, I want to say most of my students understand. Mm -hmm. And then uh, not just my students, my friends now understand. If you didn't train, you won't have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's unpack that okay. a little bit. Okay. For starters, what is your purpose? My purpose now? I think it would be literally just to help those around me and then to better myself. Those are my two purposes right now. One, to train and to teach. I guess you could put that as like, as simple as you can put it. Mm -hmm. Those are my two main. To teach because growing up, the only instructor that I had, that I had back then that is now my coach still, is Professor Nakapon. Only one. Out of all the coaches I've had throughout my whole years, Nakapon's been my my coach from 
2009 till now. And I've had multiple coaches from then in between all those, all those times, especially here at Beta, even outside of Beta. So it's kind of, uh, for me, it was difficult for the simple fact that I didn't have a consistent coach to tell me what to do, or I didn't have a coach to tell me you can do it this way or you can do it that way. I pretty much, again, just with Master Nakapon, I had to figure a lot of stuff out on my own. And not, not that I'm saying he was a terrible teacher, he was he's a great teacher, he still is to this day. But a lot of the stuff that I had to, the, my game now, I had to learn on my own. And I like to kind of think in my head, or at least one of my purposes to kind of make that easier for the new white belts, the new blue belts, even some purple belts that kind of want to learn under me. I'm okay with that too. I'll even teach a brown and a black belt if they give me the opportunity, but let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay? But this is a purpose of mine that I like to think is that I'm, I'm making it a little easier for them to learn it. You know what I'm saying? Where it took me six months to learn figure out a Kimura system trap or whatever you want to call it, or a system. I can teach it to a white belt and they can learn it in a week. To me, that's that's purpose. Just progress. That's progress. Especially like my white belts. My white belts are out here doing stuff that I taught them that makes me super happy. What about bettering yourself? That comes with staying consistent with your training. I like even even if you feel like you're the nail and the hammer metaphor. Yeah, you I know? hate that one. I hate that one too, but it makes sense. Like even as a nail, like you always have to stay consistent with your training. Always, always. It's the only way we can get better. Staying consistent, even when you don't want to train, you have to train. You know, even if it's just bullshitting around for six rounds, that's at least you're training. At least you're getting yourself better. What's the what I always say? You always want to get 0.02 percent better and Showing up is literally 0.01. The other 0.01 is finishing your practice. It's like bookends. It's very neat. It's like start mm -hmm. and finish. Mm -hmm. I guess so, in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> Neutral chaotic. Neutral chaotic? Yeah. In a weird way, that's kind of like that. What do you mean? Like, I don't even know what I mean. I just know it's that's kind of what it is. I'd have it's, to give you more context on that. I think it's more like being objective when everything is crazy around you and understanding yeah. like how to evaluate what you're being faced with and yes. how to respond to it. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. So if you don't know me, I used to be an attorney at a large law firm. And when you're an attorney for a firm, basically your life is not your own. Me having to be in the office, late at night, having to go to work on the weekends. And then finally, I realized that I was doing this to myself. It was a big realization that I had made a choice in a specific lifestyle that wasn't serving me better. Now, that doesn't mean I am a terrible person. That doesn't mean I shouldn't be doing whatever I'm doing. It doesn't mean that you should go out and quit your job. But what does it mean? Reflection and being able to really think deeply about how your current way of life is making you feel is super important. You don't have to be afraid of the thoughts and uncomfortable emotions that come up. That's the point of jujitsu anyways. This is just another way of practicing with engaging on those difficult emotions. The other idea is like you have a lot of personal autonomy in this. That's something that I feel like when people give me advice, I start to get really frantic on because I'm like, oh my God, I have to do all of these things. It's so stressful and my brain is about to explode and I'm just not going to compete or I'm just not going to do this or like forget about it. No, 
there's this idea of personal autonomy is very closely connected to the idea of personal responsibility. You are still in the driver's seat with all of this. Feel free to question anything that anybody tells you, because at the end of the day, you're going to have to be living in your own mind and your own feelings and your emotions. And if what you're doing is not honoring yourself, then it's going to destroy you from the inside out. And nobody wants that. I don't want that. I want everyone to feel more satisfied and grounded and confident and trusting in what they're doing. So remember, you always have that sense of personal autonomy. At the same time, understand that the choices you make have implications for where you're in, where you will end up being. We are human beings. We can't always solve emotional problems with only logic. And then if we try to solve logical problems with emotion, like that kind of works, but you end up with a weird result. Thinking about things from all different points of view, like just how do I feel in my body? How do I feel emotionally? Okay, how does it feel logically, intellectually? Like I think having that balance is more helpful than trying to follow the first plan that somebody gives you. I, I'm not like a big mantra person, like I don't do affirmations or things like that, but if I were to pick one, it would be progress, not perfection. And I would literally whisper this to myself whenever I made a certain mistake or whenever I was getting frustrated that something wasn't going my way, I would just kind of stop, pattern interrupt that line of thinking and say progress, not perfection. Like sometimes I'll even repeat it a few times until it gets into my thick skull that being perfect is, is not, it's not even that it's not attainable. It's like, that's not the point. The point is to continuously progress and to get better. And if you can bring up other people while you happen to be improving, that's awesome. That's great. Focusing on that element of progress is just more hopeful. Like it's just, it's more aspirational. It's, it doesn't set you up for failure in a way that perfection would. So there's this quote that I really love, a German poet, Rilke, spelled R-I-L-K-E. He has this saying, he's, he's writing a letter to like a younger poet as like kind of advice. And he says, live the questions now. Does that resonate with you? Live so, the questions now? Yeah. It does. It kind of made me think just now. Live the questions now. So the way I'm taking that is you have questions. Obviously, all, all white belts, students in general just have questions. Live the questions now means literally going through it. Like, just go through it. Go through it, figure it out, and then you'll come out hopefully better at the end of that. Just go through it. I feel like experience is um, the biggest teacher that we have. There's really only one way to really get better is through experience. Even if that experience is painful sometimes. I mean, like I said, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? So if it's, if it's a painful experience, I like to think that you are giving that because you're strong enough to deal with it. Even if it's painful, if it sucks, whether it be, I mean, the one thing that, that I can think of right now that's like a painful thought is like the death of my mom. It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. But the only way we can get through it is through experience. That's something that I will have to face eventually. And I'm not saying I'm prepared because I don't think anyone's ever prepared, but it, it will be an experience that will get me stronger and to where I need to get to. Maybe even more appreciative to those around me. You have to get through it. You just have to. There's no way around it. There's none. I'm also kind of realistic in, in that aspect of like, yeah, some situations are super shitty, but you'll come out stronger because of it.
I read the Instagram post <laughs> and, the, and the question was, how did you know that uh, you wanted to do martial arts? And your answer was, it's always something that I've known I wanted to do. And I was like, no, <laughs> that is unclear. That is a little, I give you more context. Unclear. Yeah. Can you give me like a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. I can give yeah. you a little more context. Okay. So, all right. I kind of grew up kind of in like in that Kung Fu era or like, Kung Fu movies were like huge and like, well, maybe I didn't grow up in that era, but I grew up with those films like Bruce Lee movies, Jackie Chan movies, Jet Li movies, just Kung Fu movies. And even as a kid, like probably like five or six, shouldn't be watching this type of stuff at that age. But I had cool, a cool ass mom who kind of just let me do me. So that's kind of what I grew up on. And it also didn't help the fact that I had two older brothers who were into that too. But while I was watching these films as a kid, like it's something that in the back of my head, I, I knew what I, I, this is what I wanted to do. Martial arts, whether whether it be in movies or if I fight professionally or just, again, teaching wasn't even in my mind, but just being in the martial arts world, like that was something that I knew I wanted to do. And as a kid, you make these dreams and you hope that they, they, they fall through. But as you get older, you realize like things change, circumstances change. Even when I was like a teenager or when I even had my first job, in the back of my mind, I knew I've always wanted to do martial arts. But Again, when you're at that age, 18, 19, you're only money hungry. So you're out there hustling. You're out here, you know, doing stuff you don't want to do. But in your mind, you think that's what you want to do. And then you get to this point in your, in your life where you're just like, fuck it. I don't want to do anything people want me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And again, that thought in the back of my head was, I want to do martial arts. I want to train. I want to teach. Or now it is, but yeah. I want to train. I want to get better. I want to do something to help me feel better. And for me, martial arts was that. Even when I did wrestling, I see I saw wrestling as a martial arts where most people didn't. Like that was a martial arts for me. Like that helped me out. That helped me stay out of trouble. It helped me stay disciplined. And in a weird way, it helped me kind of be a man almost. Not to sound cliche about that, but it made me realize like I'm I'm in control of what I need to be in control of. All the other stuff that I can't control, there's a reason why I can't control that. But I know that I'm in control of what Hiro is and what Hiro wants to be. And like I said, it's something that I've always known and it's something that I've always aspired. And yeah, I kind of treat my life as a Kung Fu movie almost now, even now. I'm waiting for people to come in and challenge me to a duel and I'm, I'm all about it. So yeah, I mean, to give you more context on that statement is because it's really what it is. I've always known. I've always known. Uh, yeah, maybe I spent a couple years ignoring that, but I've always known that I was going to do martial arts. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I just knew. I wish I could explain that to you a little better, but... Well, the second half of the real quick quote we'll wrap up is lift the questions now and then at the end he says someday you'll lift your way into the answer. Yeah. It's also like when you go back into that, when you think about it, it's like, like you have those instances where like you lose, let's say your keys, and then you have that like five minute panic period where you're just like flipping everything all over and then you just give up on it and then all of a sudden the keys pop up out of nowhere. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like wait it out or just kind of like be patient about it. The answers will always find you no matter what. Not that I'm trying to bring a key metaphor into this, but yeah, like, makes sense. live through it and then everything will fall in place where it needs to be. And let the doorway open by itself. Let the doorway open themselves or let the doorway fall in front of you, whichever, however you want to see it. Like, don't force anything. Let it come naturally. I guess that's, that'd be the best way to wrap that, that quote. Just don't force anything. Just let it happen naturally. It's the only way to live. Well, that's not true, but still. It's the only way. Only way I know. Good job. That was it? Yeah. Oh shit, high five.
Here, where I am surrounded by an enormous landscape, where the winds move across as they come from the seas, here I feel that there is no one anywhere who can answer for you those questions and feelings which, in their depths, have a life of their own, for even the most articulate people are unable to help, since what words point to is so very delicate is almost unsayable. But even so, I think that you will not have to remain without a solution if you trust in things that are like the ones my eyes are now resting upon. If you trust in nature, in what is simple in nature, in the small things that hardly anyone sees and that can so suddenly become huge and measurable. If you have this love for what is humble and try very simply as someone who serves to win the confidence of what seems poor, then everything will become easier for you, more coherent and somehow more reconciling, not in your conscious mind perhaps, which stays behind, astonished, but in your innermost awareness, awakeness, and knowledge. You are so young, so much before all beginning, and I would like to beg you, dear sir, as well as I can, to have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday far in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, Live your way into the answer. Rainer Maria Rilke, July 16, 1903.